Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, your guide to the ever-changing world of social media. Hello, folks. This is Social Media Marketing Talk Show, a social media examiner production. I'm Jeff C., the host of this show and podcast and on the social team here at Social Media Examiner. And I'm Grace Duffy, the producer of the Social Media Marketing Talk Show and a contributor to Social Media Examiner. Today, we are excited to be joined by today's guest, Kelly Noble Mirabella. Kelly is the owner of Stellar Media Marketing and Baby Got Bot, which is also the name of her YouTube channel where you can learn all about Facebook Messenger chatbots. She's also an agency partner, certified marketing expert, and an education partner for ManyChat. In fact, Kelly is ManyChat's trainer for its beginning courses. So she knows all the things about chatbots. And we're going to explore changes to business tools for Facebook Messenger. We're also going to review the updates from YouTube's fourth quarter 2019 earnings and results with Sean Cannell later on in the show. Kelly, thanks so much for being here with us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so, excited to be here. Yay! <laughs> Yay! So, Grace, well, take us away with all this chatbot stuff that Kelly is going to decode and explain to us. So, this week, Facebook added a one-time notification API. They opened it up as a beta test, I think, to Messenger for businesses. So, they announced that this new API is an open beta, and our guest, chatbot expert, Kelly Noble Marabella was the first one to actually break the news to people in her baby got bought Facebook group. And I think she posted about it in her personal or business pages, which is how I found out about it. And we were so lucky to have her here on the show to break down what this means. So Kelly, can you explain what this update is and what it means for businesses using Messenger for their marketing? Like, how does it work? Yeah. So just a quick backstory. Facebook is making huge changes to their compliance. The rules are changing as of March 4th which is really exciting because I'm presenting on like what, March 2nd um, <laughs> on compliance. And currently we have what's called a plus one message, which means we can send messages out after like a 24 hour window, essentially. Um, and these can be promotional messages. Well, that's going away on March 4th. And people are like, ah, oh my God, what am I going to do? And so Facebook, this is kind of their compromise where you're going to be allowed to ask the user, would you like to be notified about this very specific event? And it doesn't, not an event as in a party or a webinar, but like an action, right? So if mm -hmm. there's something that's uh, maybe a purse that's going to go on sale, would you like to be notified when this purse goes on sale? And essentially what it does, it just allows us to create a token or a little like check mark, a little pin, if you will, that says this person wants to be notified about this topic. And you are allowed to notify this person about this topic 
outside of the 24 hours, as long as they have given you explicit permission. And after a year, it expires. So you have one year to use this token with this topic. So that's like the gist of it. As far as how can businesses use it like right now, you can't unless you are using most people, uh, as I've seen, aren't even using chatbots that much. But if you are custom coding, if you're, you know, a, a coder, a developer, then go for it. You can grab it. The code's there. If not, then you're going to rely on companies like ManyChat to build it into their system. And ManyChat is actively working on this. This has been something that we've been waiting for. They actually announced it in the ManyChat group, oh gosh, like a month ago that we should be expecting this. So we've kind of had our eyes out for this particular update. So you've been preparing for it this whole time. Yes, we're very excited about it. (laughs) Everyone's like, oh, this is perfect. So there are, you know, some some twists and turns on how it compares to the plus one. But I think it's going to be a really good middle ground to make people happy when we do want to notify people of maybe a sale or, you know, something's Mm -hmm. new in stock or something that falls outside of the messaging tags that we're going to be allotted in March. Oh, cool. Really cool. So uh, there's some questions in the comments, you know, uh, somebody had mentioned they feel like they're getting kind of inundated by some of these automatic, you know, chat bots that are kind of, they feel attacking them. But um, so, you know, because we're marketers take everything good and nice and and corrupt it somehow. (laughs) Yeah. And so do you think there's going to be loopholes where, you know, I know Facebook is really trying not to have any, but where this can be exploited, you know, like, you know, I mean, I know you have, they have to opt in explicitly, but do you see any, um, some hazards here? With this, so with, with people concerned about, you know, I'm getting inundated, I just want to really be clear that it's impossible for a chatbot to send you a message unless you've opted in. So if you've mess and the way you opt in is you've messaged a business page or there's certain windows that you've personally taken an action and then a message comes up. And at any time, if you want to stop those, type stop or unsubscribe at any time in any bot. And by terms of service, they should stop and unsubscribe you. So I just wanted to give that heads up because I know that they can be annoying if people don't know. And many people don't know that you can just like, Peace out. Um, (laughs) But as far as loopholes, there's always going to be ways to manipulate it. You know, we have that black hat stuff. I don't think that it's going to be as easy to manipulate this. I feel like Facebook was really strategic and very smart about how they are creating this API. And they're very, very explicit about the fact that if you abuse it, you get cut off. Like you do not get to use the API. And by API, I mean the messenger platform for your business. So that would be a really big no-no. And I think that because it is, a pretty fair compromise. I feel most marketers are going to use it properly. Also, you know, you can use it more than once just because we say you have one notification per event doesn't mean that you can't have one person can have, you know, several events that they've been opted into. So there's definitely some use cases here. Will people abuse it? There's always going to be those people and you can, you know, hopefully I can track them down and give them a little (laughs) karate chop because I'm really not a big fan of of people bad mouthing, you know, making my industry look bad, but you know, just like anything else, there's always going to be those bad actors that are going to ruin it for everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I was about to say, stop ruining it for everyone. So according to Facebook, you know, it says the user asked to receive a notification and the business gets a token in exchange. So for like our podcast listeners, can you explain what that looks like? Is there a specific button in the chat that they have to click on? What, yeah, how does so that work? Currently, again, it's not something that you can just implement. I mean, you can definitely sign up for it and we could, I know that's one of the questions we're going to mm-hmm. cover, but once let's say many chat builds it in, it will most likely, again, they haven't built it yet. So I'm, you know, right. 
speculating, but essentially from what we've seen from what Facebook has shown us in the documentation is that they'll get like a little button that'll say something like notify me. So we're being very explicit. Do you want to be notified about when this comes back and stop? They hit a button and then it's going to tag them. And then we can send a message to that person outside of the 24 hour window for when that thing goes on sale. Now, this is very important because as of March 4th, we're not going to be able to notify people of sales without this because mm -hmm. that would be considered promotional. Whereas if as long as they explicitly say, yeah, I want to know about this thing, then we're fine because we're under this new jurisdiction of the reminder. And you mentioned that we have for that notify, there's like one year of that token that you get. It's a one year length, correct? Yeah. So if you, you know, want to send a message after a year and you haven't sent that message yet, you're, you're no go. So, gotcha. Gotcha. so make sure you are within a year. Yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, think about it though. Someone like says, yeah, I want to be notified. And then a year and a half right. later you notify them. They're like, what is this all about? I don't even remember. Yeah. I don't need that purse anymore. Exactly. <laughs> well, I think I've seen this behavior in other websites, right? So like, I know wayfair.com will have a uh, notify me when, when this is mm -hmm. available. So that's great, but you can get, so if a business was selling like the purse, the belt, the shoes, right. And you want to know when each of those are stuck, those are each individual events or is that. Yeah. Yeah. Those okay. can be each individual event. So. You know, for one purse, you're only notifying them for that one product, right? But mm -hmm. any additional products, you can certainly set it up. But you, you, when they say, yes, I want to be notified for this, you don't get to send them anything else to notify them about other products. It's mm -hmm. that thing. They have for each event, they have to opt into. Gotcha. And do you have to register it as an individual event when if I was the business sending alerts about this purse, right? Do I have it to? It should be part of the system when it's okay. built in through the, the builders, through like ManyShot and ChatFuel and those sort of tools. Perfect. So we mentioned it being an open beta. And so how do you request access? Like who gets access to it? And are there some thresholds? Like, yes, I know you, but like, <laughs> no, like it's those like of so us. easy. Anyone can do it. I promise. <laughs> All you have to do is go, I mean, Technically, you can't really do anything with it yet, but you could totally apply. And it's almost like it's not almost it's instant access. So you go to your Facebook business page, go to settings and then go to advanced messages and you'll scroll down and it's underneath where the subscription messaging is, which, by the way, is going away. And it'll I don't remember exactly what it says, but it's right underneath there. And you just click on it to request you know, to get it. And mine came immediately. I was like, boom. I was like, oh, cool. Okay. That was easy. So unlike with like subscription messaging, when we had to apply, we had to like answer questions and right. give examples. So yeah. Very cool. Pretty straightforward. Well, hopefully people can let us know if they get it as quickly, because I don't know that I would get it as quickly as Kelly. Yeah. Kelly's like might. on the short I list. Think you might. <laughs> I think that the people who might not get it as quickly are maybe, uh, we haven't seen it yet. Cause again, this just rolled out and only a couple of us know how to implement it, mm -hmm. but certainly mm -hmm. reach out to me if you have a problem, but I, I'm making an assumption here and you know what they say about assumptions, but I'm thinking that people who get a delay in getting approved are probably people who've had infractions against their page mm. before mm. for, for being marked as spam or something like that, where Facebook's going to want to like, ah, let's make sure. Right. Sort of thing. So, you know, we, I talked about a little bit of this before the show as I had one, I turned it off and then there's a lot of stuff and it seems really overwhelming, you know, getting, you know, chatbots set up and, you know, Facebook advertising, this is one more thing. Do you think it's harder now to get started with chatbots than it was before? Or is it like, it just seems so overwhelming to people. Like anything new, 
It's overwhelming. I mean, I get overwhelmed every time Instagram comes out with something new because that's just not something I put my focus right. on. I'm like, oh my gosh, and that's the, I don't have time, right? But I think it's easier to get into messenger bots now than say when I got into them, there was no education when I got into them. Like we literally had to go through the trenches and figure it out. Like many chat didn't have, I mean, there was no many chat when I started, you know? Mm -hmm. So there wasn't anybody, there's tons of people out there along with myself. There's like Molly Mahoney, uh, Mackenzie Lieberman. There's some fantastic people out there teaching how to use these messenger bots. And there's kind of one for every style. So find an educator that fits your style of education and check them out. We have free YouTube videos like crazy. I put together the course for many chat, totally free course for beginners that walks you step by step on how to set it up. We're about to build a second course mm. and that's a fully available. You don't even have to like put your email in. It's just there. So <laughs> I think it's actually easier, but you just have to, I think number one, you need to think about why do I want to use this? And that will help with the overwhelm because there are so many use cases, like start with one thing. So if you do a lot of webinars or Facebook live shows, let's focus on a bot that helps facilitate that. So what is your main goal in your business? And then can a bot help make that main goal happen better? Can we overachieve in that main goal? And if that's the case, that's where we want to focus. So if my main goal is I want more people to view my YouTube videos, can a bot help with that? I do have a strategy for that. I actually, that is my goal. And then I'll implement that, but I'm not going to like go and do like an FAQ bot because that's not right. So really thinking about what is my main business? What do I already do? And how can a bot support that? And then use the educational steps that are out there so much easier now than back in the day. So much easier. So, yeah. So you gave just like four or five different use case There's scenarios. More. I know, but I mean, you just rattled a bunch off. So you mentioned some ways that brands can use Messenger for that. So what if they don't even know about, you know, all the, is there a place where they can go or I guess your YouTube channel or somewhere where they could see all these kind of different use cases and, oh, I didn't even think about, it. I could use it for an um, FAQ. Yeah. You know what? The ManyChat blog is, is actually where I go to look for case studies. That's all they post is case studies. They're actually writing a case study on, on one of my projects right now, but fantastic case studies about how to use it with fundraisers, how to use them to sell tickets to an event, how to mm -hmm. use them to, you know, use for loyalty programs at your restaurant. And there's just so many use cases. So if you're just kind of like, I need to figure out if this works for me, is there a case study? I would actually start with the ManyChat blog and it's manychat.com forward slash blog. Very cool. And of course, my YouTube channel. Right. I mean, I'm actually about to post a three-part series about networking bots for uh, social media marketing world and teach you how to build a digital business card and my Very own cool. little tips on how to make mad money when you go to social media marketing world. So, yeah, I'll so check what that was out. the name? What was the name of that YouTube channel again, Kelly? Could you Maybe repeat that it? <laughs> I love it. I love it when you say it too. <laughs> you should, oh man, I wish I were more prepared because I was, I'm sick. So I didn't think about it, but Stephanie Liu actually wrote me a baby got bot parody when I went on her show and it is phenomenal. That's like awesome. it is so good. <laughs> that is awesome. Note to self, Jeff, or note to Jeff. You, we need to start writing parodies. I for know. Her. Yeah. Oh, no one does it better than Stephanie Liu. She She's is magical. Great. She's great. Oh, she is magical. So speaking of magical Facebook celebrated its super sweet 16 this week. I So it was Tuesday, February 4th. Those of you that want to mark it on your calendar with a little heart, Facebook founder and CEO Mark Zuckerberg remarked on the company's early days 
admitted that there have been some humbling lessons learned along the way and also expressed hope for the future. There was one part where he echoed statements he made in last week's earnings call in which he said, I've learned that it is always right to stand up for your principles, even when they're unpopular or out of fashion. So make of that what you will. (laughs) So Kelly, can you remember what your very first Facebook status might have been? Do you recall it? (laughs) You know what? Back then they didn't ask you like, what is it they ask you now? What are you thinking? Oh, it was what's on your mind. What's on your mind? Back then it was something different. So I actually was one of the very first, like I got into it in college. So I got into it when it was just for college. So you had to have like an EDU uh, email. And back then Facebook was not what it was today. We didn't have status updates necessarily. But the thing that was really big back then where you could create buttons, like, you know, like a button you would pin to yourself. Yeah. And we would create buttons with like pictures of your friends and you would send them to your friends. <laughs> so that's like the first thing that I went on and did. And it's kind of funny. My younger sister was the one who convinced me to get on Facebook because I was a big MySpacer. I was like, what do I need to go over there? MySpace is awesome. I'm like, who wants that? Thank God she got me over there because it literally changed the whole way I live my life now. Yeah. <laughs> it did. I, I learned how to code with MySpace. I mean, with, yeah. with my yeah. themes and my music yeah, you or whatever. how to do the bold and... <laughs> Did you ever think that you would be the expert on Facebook Messenger? Like, what was that even then, then? Right? Like, that didn't even exist. Like, we did. Like, that wasn't even a thing, right? I was and in so, college back then. We were like, I I went to college for marketing. I was going to be a marketer, yes, but like traditional marketing, you know, like advertising in magazines, right, like billboards. <laughs> yeah. What is this crazy? It's just amazing how. Back when I went to college, we didn't have like classes on technology other than maybe how to code. We had a coding class. It was like basic mm-hmm. coding, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's it. PowerPoint. How to yeah, make PowerPoint class, right? How to build it, how to write an email. <laughs> <laughs> I just want one of the comments in here on uh, Crowdcast is Mike Alton. He goes, his first status was, well, here's another network to go along with MySpace. So it was just... <laughs> You know, I'm sure same it was thing. like, thanks for making me come over here, Sasha. Right. That's my sister's name. <laughs> <laughs> I so, think mine was, um, I guess I'm moving again. Yeah. <laughs> what? Who cares? That's funny. <laughs> so um, like Zuckerberg, we remember how it was and we kind of think about where things are going. So to bring it back to you, Kelly, and your like your expertise, where do you think chatbots are heading? Mm. Not even like, we'll even go, we'll just say this year. Because it moves so fast. So where do you think that chatbots are going to go this year? Love this question so hard. <laughs> um, I invite everyone, first of all, to go to my YouTube channel, watch my trailer about the future of marketing. Because the future of marketing is chatbots. And if y'all are on the sidelines, y'all are going to be missing out. Just like Blockbuster missed out on Netflix. And how everybody was like, man, I wish I was doing email back in the late 90s. Or I wish I was doing Facebook ads back in 2012. Damn, you know? That's where we're at right now. And the reason that you can, I can say that so confidently is the data supports it. It actually shows that last year was the first year that mobile messaging app users equaled that of social media network users. And this year, 2020 is the year that we take over and we're going to actually surpass social media network users. So as Jessica Phillips talks a lot about dark social, check out her session at Social Media Market World. She also, part of that is this idea of people want to have closed conversations and whatever, however people want to communicate with their friends and family, eventually that's how they're going to want to communicate with business. So be sure you stay, it stays on your radar. And of course, come take my session and learn how you can implement it. Uh. 
It's That's definitely awesome. the future though. So we know about your YouTube channel. We know uh, about, you know, baby got bought. And uh, so where else where can people find out more about you, Kelly? You can find me anywhere at Stellar247. That's S-T-E-L-L-A-R-247. Um, I also have a banging awesome uh, Facebook group, Baby Got Bot, where if you do have tons of questions and you're just learning and you want to you know, spit some questions out, we have an amazing community of bot shots. So check us out over at Baby Got Bot in the Facebook groups. That's And you mentioned that. your session at Social Media Marketing World. Can you tell uh, people again what that title is? And you, yeah. you even know what day it was on. I can't even remember. Yeah, and of course I do. Yeah. I mean, I have a whole bot for you to register with if you want. <laughs> um, so my session is on Tuesday, the is that the second of yeah, Tuesday mm-hmm. the second at 4 10 p.m. I am teaching people how to use messenger bots to generate qualified leads. I'm gonna be presenting several case studies that are gonna blow your socks off. But not only that, you know, the thing people complain about is oh, all these case studies, how do I implement it? I'm actually gonna be giving away step-by-step guides with like little, like literally screenshots of how you can set up these strategies for yourself. So you don't even have to take notes, you just Walk away from my session, and when you get home, you're like, "Oh, let's do this!" Da, 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 da. So there Very you go. Cool. Awesome. It's perfect. So as you know, a big part of social media marketing world is the networking. Heck and yeah. It's an opportunity to personally connect with people that speak your language, your bot language, right? <laughs> and understand the, the challenges. And are dedicated to helping each other, like in your Facebook group, Kelly. So I happen to have met Kelly at Social Media Marketing World. We had a blast. Like, oh, my, we had so much fun. I think it was like the first time I met you, I think it was 18 or 17. Um, 18, I think, yeah. Yeah. I'd known you from like our social media marketing society and then various places online. And you were that rock star that was always breaking news, like new features, new updates, new tools. I think we quoted you on the show, like at least 40 times. I'm a beta tester on Android. So I always get these things like, oh, what's this? This looks different. It was awesome. So that's how I got to know you. And so I saw you at a table and I think we're both kind of like, no, of course, we're both very social and very energetic, but it was that rare moment of downtime. Yeah. I remember sitting next to you and being like, hi, Kelly, I'm Grace Duffy. We're going to be friends. (laughs) And we were, (laughs) and we now are. And let me tell you, it has been a joy and a thrill for me personally to watch you grow your businesses. And I know you've had your businesses for a decade, but just to see where you've gone and what you've done with the bot the chatbot stuff and messenger and stuff and your youtube channel and then creating this really awesome community i mean i know the credit is all yours and you work your tushy off but i'd like to think our conference had a little bit of a hand in that it did it absolutely did in fact gosh everyone should go to this conference because um the first year i went I ended up making $24,000 off of content. A a person I was just chatting with while I was waiting for Mari Smith to go on. The second year I went, I had a virtual coffee with Amanda Robinson, had never met her in my life. She introduced me to Andrew and Pete, who I met at Social Media Marketing World 2019 and became, no, no, 2018 and became obsessed with them. I'm actually, I should be wearing their shirt. I make them shirts every (laughs) year. I'm here for that. I'm the president of the Andrew and Pete fan club, but they became my coaches and actually helped coach me into my baby got bought strategy and have been instrumental in that. And then last year, 2019, I made the contact with many chat and that landed me that contract among many others that have come from that. So really like the magic in social media marketing world is the connections that you make. You just have to go with that, like a goal in mind and be proactive to talk to people and make it happen. 
That's awesome. And if you'd like to see Kelly and go to her session, you can find out more at socialmediamarketing.world. That's socialmediamarketing.world. We would love to see you there. Kelly, thank you so much for coming on the show today, even when you're not feeling 100%. We sure <laughs> appreciate it. Go get, some, uh, go get some rest. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks you for having me, guys. Bye. Bye, Kelly. Thank Bye. you. I can't wait to see your session because she is always just a bundle of energy. And so, I mean, it, it's not easy to know about chat. I mean, it's kind of a deep subject and having her break it down so easily is pretty awesome because uh, you can get overwhelmed pretty easily. On that. She makes so, it fun. Yeah, she, makes she it really does. Fun too. I mean, baby got bought. How, how fun can you be? I mean, that's pretty, pretty amazing. So <laughs> we are excited uh, for our next guest who is coming on shortly. He's uh, connecting right now. So this is really interesting, Grace. This is the, we're going to talk about the updates from YouTube's fourth quarter 2019 earnings and results with Sean Cannell. And he, there he is right there. Hey, Sean, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing good. Thank you so much. It's like Sean Cannell the week in um, at Social Media Examiner. We've got you all over the place. If you don't know who Sean is, he is a best-selling author, YouTuber, international speaker, and business coach helping entrepreneurs and creatives build their influence and income with online video. Sean has been featured as one of the 20 must-watch YouTube channels that will change your business by Forbes. Sean, thank you so much for being on the show today. We sure appreciate it. So fired up to be here. The grind includes Friday. That's right. It does rise and grind. <laughs> I see that on your Instagram all the time. So thankful that you uh, made it here with us. So this is kind of interesting for this this uh, kind of news segment. Google Parents Alphabet broke out YouTube and ad revenues for the first time ever in this full year earnings report. They broke it down and said the 2019 revenues reached nearly 102, 162 billion. That's billion with a B. In 2019, um, the for, and some other context to this is YouTube is larger than all of the following traditional media channels in the United States. That means consumer magazines, newspapers, out-of-home trade magazines, Yellow Pages. Who uses Yellow Pages? I don't know. Maybe just sit your kids on when you get up to the table. That's what we use them for around here. But uh, it's really interesting that it's so huge and we really want your take on this because we always knew what a massive revenue driver YouTube was. Now Google has officially confirmed it, but we've never had insights to how much money YouTube made. So why do you think Google is sharing this now? Yeah, I think there's a couple of reasons. You mentioned YouTube being bigger than so many other things. One of the things I read that if you combine ABC, NBC, and Fox, YouTube did more ad revenue in 2019 Wow. Which is crazy because you think about these major companies with major staffs and YouTube, of course, has original content, but it's mainly a creator driven platform and it's hitting just huge numbers, just 5 billion short of Netflix's total revenue. And same thing you think about Netflix, you think about these high produced shows, some of the content they're putting out there is costing millions and hundreds of millions of dollars to produce. And again, you have this creator-driven platform, YouTube, that's benefiting from people to, you know, brands being able to put their ads on the content. The reason I think they're doing this is for a couple of reasons. Um, number one, I think because the growth has been so significant, it's kind of the year to flex. This is the first year right. they've sort of flexed, but it's also major. It said it's up 36% year over year. And then number two, I think it's to build confidence in the platform. 
from the business perspective, because we also have to acknowledge that YouTube's experienced a lot of drama and they're constantly dealing with sometimes ads being placed next to considered harmful content or controversial content. Um, and there's been ups and downs and the drama associated with YouTube. So I think this is putting out there to have confidence in the platform overall, but also confidence in advertisers. And then also to show that it's a growing, healthy platform amidst some bumps in the road. So what in particular should we be paying attention to with these numbers that YouTube is? Because I know they've increased their ad revenue. They've increased their subscribers. What exactly should we as marketers be paying attention to here? Well, I think this speaks to, from my perspective, being uh, just in love with YouTube and helping people grow their influence on YouTube. I still think YouTube is actually one of the most slept on platforms by marketers. I think that some people don't even group YouTube with social media. Like mm -hmm. they sometimes, it's like this separate thing and maybe it's a place they consume content, but a lot of marketers don't necessarily commit to creating organic content on YouTube and or leveraging YouTube from the standpoint of actually doing paid ads themselves of actually, which is a major platform. People are using Facebook ads all day long. Come on, Instagram swipe right. ups right now. Right. Come on, you know, like even, even Google, uh, just AdSense in general to be doing, um, or Google AdWords to just rank your content around keywords on the Google homepage. I think there's a lot of opportunity on YouTube. And I think these numbers just shine another spotlight to say, no, the platform's not without competition, but we as marketers cannot be asleep on YouTube right now. I think it's some a place we should establish our presence for our company, our personal brand, our company brand, and be consistent with organic content as well as absolutely a platform where we should be thoughtful about contributing to some more ad revenue and paying Google to place our ads, right. whether to our target audience based on pixels or intent or all different you know ways to reach them, or even just local zip codes that YouTube can, just like Facebook has some pretty interesting targeting options. And so I think both organic and paid strategies are essential for marketers to consider. So you mentioned some numbers and, and the BBC reported that YouTube advertising has slowed down, but I mean, they claim 1.5 billion monthly active users and a growing roster of ad units. That doesn't sound low to me, but I mean, I guess it hasn't increased as much as some people wanted it to. Uh, this includes shopping ads. So does this really matter when they say that it's maybe kind of slowed down? Do you think this really matters and this crunch will affect creators? Well, being a creator that monetizes my own content in my opinion, that's just one article. I'd want to see a few other mm -hmm. things because because here's what I think that could be referring to. I think that we've noticed ad revenue has slowed down for us a little bit, but ad revenue has gone up for us. And I'll explain what I mean. Recently, we because we get around 2 million views a month on my main channel, Think Media. So our main channel, Think Media, 2 million views a month. I've actually started doing more ad placements. Did you know that now if you're monetizing your content and this might sound extreme, but we have the ability to have skippable ads in front of the video, mm -hmm. non-skippable ads in front of the video, ads during the video, and then an ad after the video. Now you might be like, dear God, I don't even want to go watch <laughs> one of your videos. That sounds well, here's the cool thing. YouTube actually determines whether or not those play. It doesn't mean because you turn all of those on that all of those will play. It means that you're saying, hey, algorithms of YouTube, place these ads as you see fit, keeping in mind that uh, viewer satisfaction matters, mm -hmm. time on platform matters. So if, if you're just getting hammered with ads and 
from doing that on my content as just, again, a myopic, just my case study, but it's my experience. Our ad revenue has gone up about 25% since we've been evolving our strategy. So we have kind of the same amount of views. We noticed our ad revenue dip, but then we've noticed it go up as we place more ads that could maybe lead to it being diluted a little bit. Mm -hmm. I mean, the CPMs of your niche matter. And let me just give one other example. I mean, I don't even know the exact numbers right now. The amount of hours every minute uploaded to the platform, the amount of consumption on the platform, that just continues to go up. And a friend of mine actually runs feature YouTube channels. They're kind of like feature Instagram accounts, like a fitness account or like a food account where it's not personality based. He's in none of the videos. He's generating a little over $100,000 a month from uh, over 10 YouTube channels just in an ad revenue model by creating niche content that people want to consume. And he's continuing to scale and add more channels where there is desire, where there is an audience that wants to consume that content. So again, I'm just kind of in one corner of the YouTube universe. I certainly don't even feel like I have a perspective of probably the whole thing, but from this entrepreneurial creative hustle, being intelligent with your ad placement, creating the right content for the right audience, life is looking really good for think media, for my friend and for hundreds of our community and customers and people that we help. So long as I think, you know, how to navigate the current YouTube waters. That's awesome. Absolutely. So I would just follow up on that. You mentioned all those different places where you're going to put ads. Is YouTube running out of ad space like Facebook is, you know, because Facebook kind of was like, hey, we've got to put these ads somewhere. You know, is are you feeling that same kind of thing, that kind of crunch on YouTube? I'm probably going to be on the middle on that one. I think that by certainly the fact that we increased the amount of possible ad placements. Because again, you could just check one of those boxes and then YouTube's not going to intrude in those other places. I essentially check them all and say, YouTube, do your thing, place ads where you want. And I would say, I'm kind of in the middle. I don't think so because there's a lot of content and there's a lot of consumption and people want to consume content. They just do. I think if you're creating the right content for the right audience, And there's always going to be more demand for something you love. Like if you love snowboarding content, I just got back from Park City snowboarding three days. I can never get enough. Like in my Instagram feed or on YouTube, when when they drop a new snowboard, I don't just stop. And I'm like, you know what? I'm done. It's like, come on, give me more. I need more snow. I need more backside 540 stomped, you know, method grab moves in the half pipe, whatever. So when you really have a passionate audience, I think you can continue to serve them. Like the same is true on like Netflix, whatever, wherever there's desire, come on, give me another season of The Office. You know what I mean? Like there's always, so there's, there's going to be plenty of content. I think that to your point though, I'm just in the middle. I think that, yes, I think what YouTube and Facebook and everybody has to juggle is with user experience. So you just don't want your platform to be in Facebook. I felt that for a while where eventually it was like, dear God, on the side, there's ads. Every other post is a feed ad. You know, maybe stuff is you're just getting hit with promotions. You're getting ads in between videos and maybe in between stories and things are hitting you. So yes and no. I think that ad inventory is a big question for that reason. There's plenty of content and there's plenty of places to place ads But if you destroy your user experience, then the longevity of your platform could be limited. What's funny you bring that up because YouTube did create a bastion of ad-free bliss, right? It was their streaming music and then their TV subscription services, which they uh, reported last quarter combined, brought in 20 million subscribers. And that was just in the fourth quarter of uh, 2019. So this is a far cry from Spotify's 13 million and from Apple Music's 60 million. But it still puts YouTube as one of those big music 
and television content providers, right? So absolutely give me more office, right? Does this growth and other areas in you and other areas of YouTube help with uh, the platform as a whole? Does it, how does it help creators? And then I guess for those of us that are marketers, like it's an ad free space. So how do we leverage this audience? Yes. So when it comes to, there's a few things we touched on there. One is YouTube Red. I'm one of the biggest fans of YouTube Red, which at $10 a month gives you an ad-free experience on YouTube. And that also gives you access to the music. Now, what they seem to do with YouTube Red is they they add the bells and you get all this Google Play music. I have never listened to that in my life. I'm also a Spotify uh, subscriber myself in premium. And the theme I want to touch on here is just, I think, specialization. I'm actually, I think that YouTube's actually diluted a little bit here. Now they're a mega media company and certainly others have done it. And I think it's possible, but the reason I think people want YouTube red is to be able to autoplay the videos, download the videos so you can take them on a plane with you. And so that you can have an ad free experience on YouTube. If you're a power user like me on YouTube and you watch too much content every day on YouTube, then YouTube Red makes a lot of sense at just $10. I probably watch more minutes of YouTube than I do of Netflix. And so that's YouTube Red's a great solution for that. But then again, the music Google Play is not on par with an Apple Music subscription or Spotify. And what's that? Specialization. Spotify is not over here trying to service video content. Now, who knows? Like all these media companies, they could go places in the future. But I think specialization is the name of the game. And so YouTube, like you said, comparing to some of these other platforms, I don't know if they can compete by trying to be everything to all people. Then you add in YouTube TV. I think it's, you know, still in its beginning phases. We'll have to see where it goes next. Arguably, it's not the best option out there. That gets into a whole conversation of the fact that none of them seem to be the best option. And if you're also like my wife and I, We've got a digital media subscription issue. I mean, we need to go to like digital media subscription anonymous right. because our credit card statement literally has Hulu, Spotify Premium, YouTube Red, Amazon Prime with Prime Video, <laughs> uh, Netflix. We just got Disney Plus. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, you know, and when we cut the cord a while back and now the cord is bigger exactly. and our bank account is empty. And so, you know, I think we'll have to see with, with YouTube TV. I think it's compelling. I, a family member of mine went all in on YouTube TV, cut the cord everywhere else. They watch their sports there, the unlimited DVR. They love it. I think it's kind of emerging. But again, I think that specialization really matters. YouTube is trying to play in a lot of different arenas. And I, I don't think you're going to be world class in music when you're known as the video platform and even more the YouTube platform and TV's new. It's just getting, there's a lot of different marketing and a lot of messaging that can get convoluted in there by mm-hmm. trying to be the best at all of those things. Yeah. Now for me, I, I cut DirecTV, went all in on YouTube uh, TV and I love it. Haven't looked back. Everybody, we have fun with it. But one of the things that I want to talk about, it may not be a coincidence that uh, earlier Google announced a new policy for dealing with disinformation on its ad platform, uh, including YouTube. Is this kind of like YouTube going nanner, nanner? to Facebook because it's kind of like, you guys are in trouble, but hey, we're taking steps that this isn't going to happen to us. I mean, it, it could be. I think that even Facebook's policy, people just get up in arms about everything, right? right? They're just offended about everything. And and I know that they're making comparisons about these digital platforms. And, and while their 
policies or their limitations of what you can or can't do there should be different than why, why is it okay to do it on TV to potentially Nielsen ratings, millions of homes, but that yet over here, it needs to be different. It's a space that's a little bit outside of my wheelhouse. You know, YouTube is kind of even traditionally Google itself, a, a more leaning liberal organization. It seems pretty clear about that. So, you know, I don't know if that influences it on that side. I think they're just probably making a stand that I'm sure there's a combination of their company values meets a strategic decision potentially Mm -hmm. to be different than other platforms, but then also to try to appease or, you know, honestly, I think it comes down to company values at at the end of the day. I I think they got to believe what they, they want to, because I mean, if it was just about money, then they probably just leave it open and still try to just not, piss anybody off too much. Right. But on the flip side, I think it's it's probably where they stand as a company is, is probably why they're doing it because maybe it's a strategic decision, but. Yeah, I think it's be, I, one of my things I always think is because of the whole political stuff that Facebook's been under fire for so much. YouTube is, to me, it sounds, or Google is trying to kind of cut that off of the past saying, listen, we're going to be, you know, not letting that stuff happen on our platform. You know, go over to Facebook if you want that. So it was just interesting, I think, how the wording happened. But uh, I thought your points, you know, those are those are very valid as well, because I think they do want to have that company culture that keeps it, you know, uh, the way they want people to view their whole suite of products. So very, very important there. So, Sean, I know you're speaking again at Social Media Marketing World. But before we get into that, where can we find out more about you? You mentioned uh, think your, your, your YouTube channel. Um, can you say that again and where else people can find you online? Yeah. Yeah. So our main YouTube channel is called think media and it's all about bringing you the best tips and tools for building your influence with online video. So we cover uh, accessories for your smartphone, which microphone or live streaming gear to use and things like that. The tool side of creating content and then the strategy and tip side around building your influence with online videos. So how to get more views and subscribers on YouTube, but we're covering a lot of online video platforms. LinkedIn is hot right now. Organic reach there's amazing and posting video content, emerging platforms like TikTok. Um, and so, yeah, check out Think Media on YouTube. All you got to do is type in the word Think Space Media and YouTube search and you'll find all of our stuff. Awesome. In fact, this camera that I'm using right now is from watching one of your videos, Sean. So it's very awesome. One of the, the things I do want to ask is what you're going to be speaking on. I asked Kelly this as well at Social Media Marketing World. I know this is, I think you're, I don't many, I think you've been there as long as I have years there. So what are you going to be talking about? Yeah, this year, uh, my session is all about building your rapid YouTube growth plan. And so how do you grow on YouTube in a 2020 new decade environment? YouTube's 15 years old, so we cannot use the same strategies and tactics that you would have necessarily used 10 or five years ago. But YouTube still has massive opportunity if you know how to use the platform, if you know what YouTube wants most from you. And so uh, I'm going to be talking about that three-step plan as well as some of the latest updates from YouTube uh, for reaching more people. And the way I like to summarize that is it's kind of like the five love languages. In fact, if you're watching this, tell us your number one love language in the chat uh, or in the comments. Um, You know, to have a successful relationship, you want to know the other person's love language and give them what they want. I've been married for 14 years to my wife, Sonia, and I know like her love language is gifts. And so uh, if I get her gifts, it fills up her love tank. If I do acts of service, like, you know, even providing or taking care or whatever, she feels loved and appreciative, but 
it's that specific love language that fills that person's love tank. Well, when it comes to YouTube, I think that as marketers, that's what we need to know. We need to know YouTube's love languages. What are the metrics that matter most on YouTube? And so in my session, I'm going to be talking about that because when you play the game according to what YouTube wants and you're hitting those targets and essentially filling YouTube's love tank, then the incredibly powerful algorithm of YouTube will share and suggest and promote your content like crazy. And that's how you can blow up your business and your brand and reach more people, create more customers with YouTube. So I can't wait for social media marketing world this year. Awesome. Sean, thanks so much. And if you want to go see Sean's session, you want to find out more about social media marketing world, you can go to socialmediamarketing.world. Sean, thank you so much for being here today. We really appreciate it, my friend. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Bye. Hi, Sean. Thank you. All right, Grace, some other news. So oh. Twitter hits $1 billion in quarterly revenue and in in their uh, their new financial earnings and user metrics. So that's a lot of Bs, a lot of billions that they're making. Yeah. So yeah. Um, they said the bulk of income comes from advertising, which con- constitutes $885 million or 88% of its revenue. Wow. So- that's insane, <laughs> but not surprising, so have, right? Have, so have your, has your Twitter gone up this year? Have you used it more? You know, I think I've kind of just always used it the same. I just use it differently now. I mean, they have started doing a lot more conversation-driven initiatives. Like I know that Threaded Conversations just rolled out on iOS this past week. It's previously been on Android. I know that they've done a lot behind the scenes to kind of clean up the uh, platform, you know, preventing abuse and preventing uh, people harassment. And then I don't know if you saw this this week, uh, Jeff, but they started um, cracking down on manipulated images and videos. And so I know that like freaks out a lot of marketers, but let me tell you, they're not talking to you. If you're Photoshopping your images for your brand photos or your videos. This beard isn't real, really. It's all Uh, CGI. No, no. it's all smoke and mirrors Mm -hmm. and a little bit of bourbon. But anyway, so... Anyway, so I think that they're, yeah, I again, think, I don't know that it's really having to do with marketing. It's more has to do with people faking videos for political content. But anyway, I, I really enjoy it. I think they're doing a lot and they've been very proactive and they're learning from, I hate to say it, Facebook's mistakes. Mm-hmm. I think all those channels are learning from Facebook's mistakes though and, and right. trying to just get ahead of stuff. Right. And we have one last piece of news, Grace, that uh, is a little bit interesting that maybe freak out a little marketers a little bit. It isn't. It isn't. So Facebook Audience Network will shut down mobile ad placements and in-stream videos on the mobile web. So Mm. this isn't the mobile app and it's not the desktop. It's the Audience Network. And so a Facebook spokesperson said these placements represent a very small piece of Facebook's Audience Network's business and their removal will have virtually no material impact. However, they are not making this change until April 10th. And I don't know. So what do you make of this update, Jeff? What do you think of it? You know, I think they're getting ahead of the GDPR and now the new CCPA. So I think it's going to hurt them trying to capture that information anyway. So they're just getting ahead of the curve. It's not going to work anyway. So I think that's mainly mm-hmm. the reason why I think they would, if that, that wouldn't have happened, they wouldn't have done it because it's still, even it's, mm-hmm. it's a little bit of money. It's a place where they could have got some information, but they're just not going to be able to do that. 
now in the future because right. of these regulations and other things rolling out. Even the Safari and the Chrome browser saying we're not going to be take. We talked about mm-hmm. this last week with um, Rich Brooks and how it's just not the, the information will not be there. So they're just. I just think they're heading it off at the past. It's just not going to work. So they're just going to shut it down now. And they're clear. Uh, they're off Facebook activity tool as well that we talked about last mm-hmm. week. I think that has an impact on it as well. Yeah. Anyway, we'll see. One hand, they're saying this affects no one. And then on the other hand, they're waiting two months to right. cut it off. Right. So I'm like, so anyway, yeah. good for them. So if you are using any of these placements, um, just know that they're going away as of April uh, it will go away April 11th, but they're giving you till April 10th. They are giving you a lot of support. So if you are part of this, then talk to your reps, yep. talk to your agencies and figure out a new, new plan. But yeah. So now is a good time to mention that support for this live show and podcast comes from Social Media Marketing World 2020. We had two great speakers who are going to be at the conference this year, uh, Kelly and Sean and you know, it's a great place to come because social media marketing can be a lonely, lonely road. It's a real lonely business. Maybe you work from home. Maybe your interaction with people, you don't really have people. It's just cats. You know, like some people, I'm not going to mention names in the comments, but some people just have cats. And so maybe you work in office, but nobody you work with really understands, you know, what you're going through. Maybe they have no idea what a chatbot is, like we talked about today. It can be lonely. And you can even be teased by your colleagues about having cats, but, uh, and we're playing on Facebook all day. So what about you, Grace? I mean, we both are in Texas, so we can, you know, yeah. if we have to go to Dallas and, and talk, but I mean, I don't know. In yeah, my small town, I, I didn't have anybody. So it's great that I remember when I went to the social media marketing world for the first time, I actually got involved with a mastermind group that we still meet every Monday. From that, you know, five years ago meeting we had at Social Media Marketing World. So do your kids know what you really do, Grace? Really? No, my kids, my kids used to think I ran Facebook <laughs> as if, right? right? They're like, you're always on Facebook. And then um, my neighbors, I used to just tell them, I would try to explain my job. And finally, at one point, I just told them that I work for the CIA and I can't talk about it because like that was easier for them to understand. That's really so, good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think- my wife and parents, they still have no idea what I do. So, I mean, it's okay. That's why you need to go to Social Media Marketing World. If you'd like to find out more, go to socialmediamarketing.world where you can find out all the information. Grace and I will be there. We'd love to talk to you. You'll be surrounded by thousands of other people who do the same thing that you do. They speak the same language. They know what chatbots are. They have the same challenges as you. So come to Social Media Marketing World for all the great content. But People come back year after year is because of the relationships like Grace and I had talked about so much. So we'd love to yeah. see you there. Go to socialmediamarketing.world to find out more. So for, to find out more details, links, and notes on everything discussed in today's episode, uh, you can go find that at our Social Media Marketing World talk show recap. It publishes on Saturdays at Social Media Examiner. Grace does an awesome, awesome job pulling all that together. You can find that at socialmediaexaminer.com forward slash news. Also, do not forget, We would love it for you guys to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. We publish new episodes every Saturday. Remind, and we would love for you guys to actually subscribe and leave us a review because it really helps us get the word out. Our next show is on Friday, February 14th at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Uh, You can get on our calendar and see everything that's coming up at socialmediaexaminer.com forward slash live show. Thank you for joining us today. And thank you, Jeff, for being the host this week. And thank you to Kelly and to Sean for being our guest experts. And for you, Grace, for doing such a job producing this show and all the last minute things, the craziness that goes on. We could not do it without Grace Duffy. Thanks, Gracie. And we will see you guys all next week.
Bye now. Bye, everyone. Thank you. The Social Media Marketing Talk Show is a Social Media Examiner production. For more social media insight, visit socialmediaexaminer.com. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.